Desperately trying to scrabble around and think of things to say this week. Welcome to Underpod. And there are some weeks when we actually do have to scrabble around, and there are some weeks when the podcast just seems to write itself. This is definitely one of the latter. Um, you're about to hear English Dan's voice and subsequent cigarette lighter as he lights up. Hello and welcome. Please, my mum might listen to this. I don't know what to know. Uh, I apologise. Uh, no, I will edit out the <laughs> cigarette lighter and that she comment. Knows. She knows. Um, and we're also joined uh, slightly last minute by a very flustered looking, a very smart looking as well, Joel Richards. Welcome, Joel. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for waiting. No, no problem. It's, um, it's been a long day. It has, it has. I'd rather not have to be so, so formal. Not, not the uh, most fun of all, of all um, pieces of stories I had to cover today with the train crash, but anyway, there you have it. So. Um, we're going to get on to some more metaphorical uh, train crashes, unfortunately in an almost equally tragic sense, um, a little later in the podcast, but first of all, as much to get it out of the way as anything, we're going to talk about the least interesting aspect of this week's um, uh, podcast, which is the World Cup qualifiers, because yeah. they're the one thing in which there really wasn't very much to say, so let's get it out of the way quickly. Well, they were, um, two, they were, two pretty, were two talking points, yeah, they, they were, were bad games, but... No, they were two pretty fascinating games, I thought, like, very, very evenly matched, very end-to-end, lots of talking points, lots of action, and yeah, but the upshot is that... It ended with two draws for Argentina, 0-0 against Colombia at home, and then 1-0 against Ecuador, which they were probably a little bit lucky to to get. They were under the under the cosh for a lot of the game. That yeah, and there were two points that were good enough for Argentina. They could have uh, secured qualification with a couple of wins or a win and a draw, but they didn't quite make it. So they have secured. If they lose every single match that they've got left and everybody else wins all of theirs, the lowest Argentina could possibly finish now is the playoffs. I think they need, I think, two more points. I think one win is yeah. enough to push them into, into Brazil for absolute certain. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the thing that we learned more, uh, I'd say we learned more from the, the Quito match, if anything, um, is, is that the central defenders, at least, that, that back three can cope with what's coming at them. But at times, if they're going to play at the back five and then three in the middle, they're going to need to perhaps give the full-backs a little more protection, particularly Gino Peruzzi, Neymar's daddy, as we call him. Um, and now, really if someone did us down, if we're going to yeah. use the same <laughs> yeah. metaphor, yeah. Yeah, he had an absolute nightmare of a game. I mean, Marcos Rojo struggled on the left, uh, left yeah, back as well, Valencia, obviously, yeah. up against Antonio Valencia, who everybody uh, in the world knows, knows what he's capable of, even though he's not had a great season for Man United. Um, and yeah, it was really a case of the wingers constantly beating their men on the flanks for, for Ecuador and then nothing really coming of uh, when the ball came into the box. Yeah, it was a very strange... did a very good job. Yeah, it was a very strange defensive setup. You basically had, as Sam said, Valencia and Montero taking turns to torment the full-backs out wide and then three central defenders in the middle all just watching one guy, Caicedo. Yeah, it, it, it can like, be... Yeah, but it was very kind of unbalanced like, it can work very effectively I guess if the opposition are playing two kind of inverted wingers and you're sending them 
outside onto their weaker feet. Yeah, but Cross I think is coming in. I there was a, right, yeah. but when, you, when they're playing Montero and Valencia on the correct wing, and you're saying, yeah, yeah just send them outside. You're just asking your centre backs to to deal with a lot of balls into the box. Exactly. Yeah. I think field, they did it very well. Yeah. I think obviously um, hindsight's a wonderful, wonderful thing, but mm. it would have been better served so putting maybe uh, Lucas Bilia in the middle as well with um, Machirano and Banega, and then just having. I'd have a guy, you know, to screen the wings and give them a bit more like natural width in the field. Yeah. Help, you know, it maybe is, uh, stick closer to the left. It is strange that I mean, obviously, there's there's the big proviso for this game, isn't there? The altitude and and it and it is an issue. But um, but it is strange that Sabella regularly puts five at the back away. I mean, he did it against Venezuela. Yeah. I mean, then especially, you can say, oh, it's too hot. At altitude. And, and then at, at at altitude, and you're right. It's, it's strange that he changes the system so much. I mean, clearly, the main thing here is that two games without Messi. Um, as then, a starter, then and then, and then, well, and then yeah. the, exactly, and without Iwain, and but and really, I think here the main debate has been like, look, we can't play without Messi. But that said, I thought the point in in, in Keita was, was an excellent point. I mean, yeah. Ecuador had won six out of six beforehand, so to get a point, not to lose, um, they were all right. I mean, there are a few a few problems sort of starting to show in, in that if Messi is not there, there's not much of a game plan. Mm. Had lots of well, Machadano and Iwain were sent off. Yellow cards are starting to kick in, so maybe there isn't quite that depth in squad, um, but depth in in, certain, in the squad and the group of players that that Sabella is choosing to to pick to select from. But um, but I mean here people have been so really down on the national side, yeah. saying they didn't play very well. And, and we, regarding you know, we so well, look. They're top of the table still. It's a really tough away game, not just because of the quality of the opponent, but also the altitude. So you know, all in all, as Dan said, I thought it was pretty good, pretty good result yeah. know, for 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 the takeaway. With the proviso that I don't really get why Sabella's still completely changing his tactical outlook when he's away from home. No, yeah. although of course high altitude games aren't going to be a problem at the World Cup itself. The, the highest, uh, the highest venues are within four thousand feet. It's, it's only about one thousand seven hundred meters up. I think Brazil, no, Brazil is one thousand two hundred or something. Up. Um, and that's the highest point I checked the other day. Um, so yeah, that, from that point of view, it's, I think it's as much a case of just trying to get the result for those matches mm. than any necessarily for planning. Yeah. But no, regarding the, the whole messy, messy dependence thing, which of course is now everyone's going on about it, uh, for the benefit of, of listeners who, who aren't already aware, Messi uh, didn't start either of these games. In both cases, Sabella said he'd been given the OK by the medical team, but he didn't, the manager didn't want to risk him too early, um, so he was going to be sent on in the second half mm-hmm. if, if both games were still tight, and of course they both were, so Messi got about half an hour in, in both matches. Couldn't do very much in either really. I think in both system. games he had yeah, chances to score, there was obviously... Yeah. And in fact, in the Colombia yeah. game, which of course mean. We were both at Dan. Yeah. One of the things you noticed most was that when he came on, suddenly Colombia's entire defensive approach yeah. against Argentina yeah. changed. Because it was one man, even when Colombia had the ball, there was always a man within about two yards of Messi following him round. The second Argentina win the ball back, even if it's Romero in, in yeah. goal, gets the got ball. two. And then when he a has the ball, there's four. Yeah. The second he gets anywhere close to somebody looking up to a pass towards Messi, and there's a third person yeah. now. And as soon as he gets the ball, there's a fourth man converging <laughs> on him. And suddenly you're thinking, well, if Messi just manages to knock it over his shoulder there, this guy's, you know, Di Maria or Lavezzi or Higuain or whoever are completely free. Uh, not Higuain, of course, because by the time Messi was on, Higuain had been sent off. Uh, rather confusing one from, from the stands where we were sitting. We're going back to Friday but, now, but the first of these two matches. Definite. Oh, definite, yeah. 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 No, we've seen replays. Yeah, yeah. It was two absolute, the stands, yeah. It was just like, what the hell's happened? Hang mm. on. They said one, one off on each side because we didn't even see the Colombian guy go off. Right. Um, yeah. It was... Sabat. Sabat, yeah. Well done. Uh, yeah, it was... Um, Higuain was chasing down a, a long ball over the top. Ospina had control and he, he kind of dived in anyway. And there was, there was not that much wrong about the challenge himself. It was a bit heavy-handed, maybe. 
and Ospina stayed down. Ospina is so, the Colombian goalkeeper. Yeah, for, for listeners' benefit. Yeah, so Bata went over to confront him, and they exchanged a couple of kicks while Iguain was was still on the floor, and yeah, it was a red card for two. Mm. But incredibly. It, it wasn't the stupidest sending off for Argentina of the round. <laughs> it wasn't, no. Javier Mascherano managed to, to, <laughs> to trump margin yeah. by an astonishing um, margin. Uh, possibly the, the silliest sending off in world football this weekend, just gone possibly the year so far, maybe football history. Surely Balotelli's done one stupid. Uh, well, someone, someone, I saw someone saying on Twitter that, he, um, that Balotelli accepted the challenge. <laughs> challenge accepted. <laughs> because it, it was ridiculous, and you know, I, I don't know if there's a precedent of this. So Macharano was being was on the buggy, being being yeah. sort of technically being sort of stretched off, and and he said later, and he was fair play to him. He came out, he apologised. He said, you know, I really shouldn't have uh, reacted like that. He did it in English and Spanish as well. Which yeah, that's right. But he, uh, but yeah, he just kicked out of the uh, the guy who was driving the buggy because he <laughs> thought he was about to fall off. And, but also, there, I saw a photo which I hadn't seen when uh, when it was happening. Valencia pushing, trying to push the, uh, yeah, yeah. the trolley off, so uh, the buggy or whatever it is they're, they're called. Because so. yeah, after the game, I think the Ecuador coach uh, Reynaldo Ruia, he he spoke in his press conference about it, and he was livid about the sending off because he said, right, this was the time, you know, last five minutes, Ecuador and just wanted to kick their rhythm, push, push, push forward, and he was absolutely, you know, spitting feathers that there was such a delay because he said, even though Argentina had a plan sent off, that kind of just ended the game, they couldn't get their rhythm back and push on. Which is an interesting way to, um, to look at it, yeah. The, the main thing that I, I took out of it was just that, um, given that nobody was actually hurt, of course, because the, the guy stretching off did have quite a thick coat on and the kick wasn't, you know... It was it was, 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 it was uh, Beckham exactly. in uh, 98. But given, given that nobody was actually hurt, we can say that it was hilarious. Um, it, no, it wasn't hilarious. <laughs> I was I was saying this to to my girlfriend yesterday. And she was like, "But he kicked somebody." I bet the guy he kicked doesn't find it hilarious. And I said, "I think he probably does now, to be honest, because it was very very funny." Um, but it's interesting. I saw a couple of comments afterwards saying, "Ah, like, oh, but why did he get sent off? Because it was um, an off the pitch matter. It had nothing to do with the game." It's like, well. When the referee showed him the red card, the look on his face was absolutely priceless. Oh, right? he, this whole kind of the, yeah. the hand moves, the, what are you showing me that for? Like, yeah. As if he hadn't done anything. <laughs> Brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic yeah. comedy. So we all enjoyed that from, from the international weekend. We did. Ecuador almost grabbed it right at the, the, lock. Was it the yeah. last kick of the game, the last chance of the game. Although it was offside. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I missed that. Um, and Argentina oh, equally could have could have grabbed it in the last ten minutes of the yeah. Di Maria had a chance, which yeah. meant horribly wide. Messi had a chance. Oh, was that a shot or a cross? I it went I almost know. equidistant yeah. between Rodrigo Palacio on the far post. It was it ridiculous. Was, I think it was a shot, but even so, it was poorly. Um, but anyway, as we say, two two decent points for Argentina against the two. Well, the, the second and third. Yeah. They were third and second at the beginning of the double header. They're no, second and third now. Um, Can I just just another claim? Another. Time to just to throw it in, into the ring that uh, Pastore should be in the setup mm-hmm. because this is exactly the time you look at Messi's very of direct. Lamela was called up for this. Lamela was called up, but he's, all, but he's also very direct. He's not the same kind of player. And and you know, on the one hand, everyone's kind of said, "Oh, but we need a Raquelme kind of player." You know, those kind of players don't exist anymore. Mm. But but well, there are a couple of right. players who are there thereabouts, and and Pastore is one of them. And I, you just get the feeling every now and then that you know whether it's suspended or not, but Aguero, Iwine, Messi. Uh, Di Maria, who obviously the the Fab Four, but they're all very direct. Yeah. And it you know, maybe that you know, this these games were the perfect opportunity to have someone a little bit more in the middle and and just to try and bring a bit more sort of a bit, bit more of a pause to. Oh, yeah, it. especially and, with and, Ecuador, yeah. you could see that. Yeah. What was lacking was someone just with a completely clear head. You know, everything was so 
end to end rushed, you know, from Ecuador as well. Like they have the same problem. They don't have a natural like number ten man who puts a foot in the ball. And yeah, the game was just crying out, especially from Argentina. To, uh, yeah, someone who can yeah. just keep position in midfield and yeah. and control it a bit. In, in some ways, I think that kind of I'm rushed ready. rushedness, let's say, and the, the number of direct players that they have in the attack is is why Argentina really are better off. Uh, Better off playing the style that Stadler's got them playing so far, which really is a, is a counter-attacking, it's well, an entertaining yeah. counter-attacking well, exactly. style. It, yeah. It's not, you know, the, a Mourinho nine behind the ball, no. No, drop, no, no. but it, it's not one of those. But it is, it's, it's a counter-attacking style, um, and I think they're better off playing that. But at the same time, I remember uh, Joel the comment about Pastore has sort of reminded me of, of the interview that I did with him um, that was in the Blizzard last year, in which I, I asked him, "What's it like training and, and playing with with the best player in the world?" And his response was that it's when you want part of his response was you give him the ball, you give you give the, the ball to Messi, and he said he knows exactly where on the pitch to lay it off for yeah. the one-two, which I found really telling because it, 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 when you've watched on the, on the very few occasions really that Pastore's had to play alongside Messi when he, normally when he's come off the bench, for instance during the last World Cup, one of the things that he did and one of the things that Maradona made no secret of the fact that he told him to do when he sent him on was. You, it's your job to get the ball to Messi because we're not doing it enough so mm. far. Yeah. And Pastore shows himself to be very, it, it's obviously a different kind of player, but he's thinking <coughs> on the same wavelength as Messi. Yeah. Whereas a lot of Messi's other players, even for Argentina, I'm not saying they're unintelligent, but they will give Messi the ball and then sort of hope that he can do yeah. something or they'll make not quite the run that Messi's hoping they're going to make. With Pastore, you never quite got that sense. Mm. You always got the sense that Pastore is giving it to him and then offering him the correct option if he wants to take it up and maybe dragging a man off, which Messi can then either, either use that space or he can give it back to Pastore and, and explode himself. Well, also also on, on interviews in the Blizzard, there's one with Sabella in the current issue that's just out. Which and, is done by who, John? Uh, someone on this, on this table. <laughs> and uh, he says two things on this point. One is that Argentina doesn't have those kind of players anymore. He don't, they don't have those, those kind of more cerebral kind of players. But also, he pointed to the fact that so you can't expect Messi with Barcelona to be the same Messi with Argentina, and a lot of Messi's goals are, very, are much more direct on the counter attack. Mm. And so this whole thing is: should Argentina play with slightly more passing players in the middle? Sabella's not trying to do that. He's trying to look for the exact, precisely, you know, Iwain, the pace of Iwain, Di Maria, and Messi, and so on. Um, so you know that that's the game plan. It's fine, but it does go back to the fact that when they're at home, they only play with four at the back. And, and a little bit more in midfield just, just guarantees that position by, by default. So. But it's an interesting point what you make, which you make about yeah the lack of these players. Um, you kind of are people. Oh, I didn't, make, I didn't make it. Was ball, Alejandro yeah. said it. Well, Alejandro, because even if you look at the players coming through now, you know the 19, 20 year olds, which we can say all of us know around the table that there's a brilliant crop of youngsters coming up um, in Bochum, Racing, in River, like across the field, but. But they're all these kind of players. You look at Vieto in Racing or mm. Centurion, Farinha. Farinha maybe, but he's not up to the standard of no. the others, we can say. I think we're going to talk about it a, a little bit later yeah. when we discuss uh, sort of Carlos Bianchi's comments post-Racing. Yeah. Post and then in Riva, of course, you've got um, you've got Eturbe, you've got well, Alcampas and Lamelo, who, who went last year or the year before. They're, and they're all fantastic players, but they're all, yeah. Funes Mori. Funes Mori. <laughs> Let's say, yeah. Uh, Facundo Ferreira in in Vélez and they're all like yeah they're all fantastic but they're all yeah pedal to the metal they love taking players on running yeah they're not these kind of Argentine Argentina number 10s that mm. we would like to think it's an interesting yeah. turnaround I guess well, like one might be coming back to um, 
to river, as we found out today, right? Yes, we did. Well, we'll yeah, I, apparently that's quite um, up in the air. Yeah, of course it's up in the air. Jorge Lopez uh, Ole um, is very well informed. He says it's not happening at all. Okay. But, but Pablo Aymar returning to River Plate, by the way. Um, but then everyone else has kind of said, apparently he's, he's met with Ramon Diaz, who gave yeah, his I, debut. Aymar's been reported in Ole on, on the website this afternoon as having said that uh, he's spoken to Emiliano. Uh-huh. But doesn't, doesn't, he, apparently, doesn't he have a promise? He made a promise he'd return to Belgrano in mm. Cordoba, where, where he's from. Yes. And, and so, no, it's one to, one to watch. Either way, if, if Aymar came back to Argentina, it'd be brilliant. Yeah. Whoever, whoever he plays yeah. from. So, and yeah. both of them are in the Sudamericano, of course. So. Yeah. Indeed. As will be particularly yeah. way either way that as as wrestling on we're going to get on, on to yes um, and we we've talked about the, the World Cup qualifiers already for possibly five minutes longer than planned so we're going to move on very swiftly now to the real meat and veg of uh, this week's hand and pod which is the fact that there was in spite of it being a FIFA weekend um, a domestic round of matches played at the weekend as well where the bloody hell do we start with this one um, there's only one real place that we can start there were two matches called off. We'll discuss, uh, or I'll, I'll mention the first one first of all, and then we'll move on to the second one, which was the uh, the, the tragedy that I hinted at earlier on. The first one was Vélez Southfield versus All Boys, uh, which was about 26 minutes in, well, not about, it was exactly 26 minutes in, when the fence in front of the away stand was, was kicked away by a group of All Boys, depending on whose version of events we hear, this could be the All Boys Barra Bravo or the All Boys fans. Um, the president of All Boys, Roberto Bugalu, uh, Bugalo, um, uh, told the, the television cameras after the match that he'd been in the stand, if, well in fact he was in the stand, we saw him uh, helping the police to put the fence back up about half an hour later, um, that he'd been in the stand and that what he'd heard or what he'd witnessed, I was slightly unclear on that, whether he was actually in the vicinity at the time, was that uh, there were a couple of All Boys fans and a policeman all having a piss together in the, in the toilets, as, as you do I suppose, um, and the All Boys fans attacked the policeman. The policeman then calls for backup, and <laughs> where have we heard this before, surrounding Bellis Sarsfield, or indeed just Argentine Stadium in general, the police overreacted. Um, and this is why the fans were breaking down the fence to, to try and get out of the stand from the sort of police attack that was coming out from behind. There were a couple of stories about All Boys fans trying to get in without tickets as well, which were quite quickly dismissed. Uh, there are people saying that Bulgano was, was making that up, or that he'd been misinformed, or whatever. Um, so it's still slightly murky what actually did happen. There's another story I read in La Nación today that both um, both the headquarters of Villasarsfield and All Boys were raided today. Oh, was part of this athlete yeah. or? And he, Borgalo, he, had, he didn't want to give up, I can't remember if it was some sort of file or a video, you know, some sort of evidence. And in the end he did, but it was kind of too late and he's being, he's being now um, charged with none, mate. Obstructing police duty or something like that. Okay. So it's interesting what's what's coming out of this. Def- obviously, they do this to, more than anything to kind of prove links between the bar and the directors and yeah. you know, put kind of a reason behind the violence and that. But yeah, it, it's amazing that you know that game after all you know seemed like the minor bit of trouble compared Indeed, to what came. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that game was was eventually called off after the the head of security. Refused to give the referee any guarantees that well, the trouble was wide open. Basically, there's this phrase in in Argentine Spanish, "falta de garantía." It's a phrase in Spanish, really. It gets used a lot in Argentina for precisely this kind of reason: lack of guarantee. Um, so the referee called the match off, and it was completed uh, last night. Well, sorry, yesterday afternoon, two thirty on uh, Wednesday afternoon, and oh, it was a very dull nil-nil draw. Really, nothing happened. 
Um, but later that weekend, or rather earlier this week, it was Monday, um, in La Plata, in the Estadio Unico, Estudiantes met Lanús. Uh, match was held up for about two or three minutes, so I don't think for very long at all. Uh, quite early on in the second half, about 11 minutes in. Yeah. Well, it started right, it was right at the beginning when the yeah. troubles came in. Yeah, yeah there, there, was, there was a bit of trouble, and then, and then the match itself actually had to be, to be paused, because there were Lanús fans uh, towards the back of the... Of the stand. If, if you've been to the Estadio La Plata, uh, then you'll know that the, it's sort of dug into the ground. So the approach is at the top of the uh, of the stand. Around this is just one tier, um, and there was there was trouble. There was a visible sort of scuffle that the the TV cameras at the game were able to zoom in on behind the stand between police and fans. And at half time, uh, the news came out that one of the fans, one of the barras, the news came out initially, uh, had been shot dead. Um, it's since come out that it wasn't a Barra Brava it was a fan who'd been trying to mediate between Barra Brava and police and a policeman had stuck a rifle sort of pointed it at his chest and shot him with a rubber bullet at a range of 60 centimetres yeah. which is clearly enough to kill yes. um, he was called <laughs> do we know what he was called really uh, either Daniel Santiago Jerez or Santiago Daniel Jerez or Javier Jerez or possibly something else entirely, depending on which newspaper you read and which journalist was writing the story. Nobody really seems that bothered about getting the deaf man's name right. Um, El Sordo. Yes, El Sordo, the, the lefty, which the lefty, is his yeah. nickname. Um, and he was part of the, the uh, sort of semi-official or official club uh, fans group, basically. He, he wasn't yeah. a badder. Um Of course, after this happens, the second half of the match doesn't take place. That's going to be played uh, Wednesday next week, again in the afternoon. Um, obviously the show has to go on. So the two subsequent matches are played anyway. Um, and this is part of the problem, really, right? Nobody is... Or it's, right, it's a symptom of the problem that, that nobody's prepared to put their foot down and say, how on earth can we continue this round of football matches after this has happened? You know, it's interesting... It's yeah. just one example of how the lack of seriousness with, it, with which it's taken. It's interesting just how um, this idea that, you know, when the government took over the TV rights for football, mm. that they didn't factor in the fact that they were buying into a, a whole world of, yeah. of violence, of, of murders, of, of kidnappings, of, of, of everything that goes on in, in Argentine football. And uh, just, just, uh, just thinking out loud, really, but just um, that it's funny that, not funny at all, but just that they, they didn't think about this when they, when they took over football. And this is the thing, so now all of these problems, which beforehand, before Football para Todos in 2008, yeah. it was just, it was AFA, it was... Obviously, the it's other clubs, the rights holders, it was Berlin, it was the clubs, but now it's all about the government. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and we're talking immediate perception, of course, because it was still a society, probably yeah, society of before that. No, of course. Suddenly no, exactly, exactly. 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 Yeah. And when it happens, everybody's yeah. linking it in with these politicians yeah. Or, yeah. or whoever. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're talking about, yeah, we can, you can say whatever, whatever you like about violence in the, in the stadiums and the barra, but I think at the bottom line of what happened in, in La Plata is that. If someone got shot dead by the police. Exactly, yeah. You know, and apparently, in I don't know how much in cold blood. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure on the on the officials, and yeah. you know, it's a job none of us want, I'm sure. Uh, police and football matches, but still, yeah, they held up um, a shotgun against his chest and, and shot him it's a, with a rubber bullet. But still, they know well, that, that, that range. Though, I mean, it just internal yeah, hemorrhaging. Yeah. He died very, very quickly. Yeah, um, he was dead. I think he was dead on arrival, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The um. Uh, the, the upside of this was the um, away fans, uh, all Argentine football have been banned, but also... For the rest of this season. For the rest of the season. So the, the two coming weekends, yeah. although, of course, uh, 
neutral fans don't count because last night there was a Copa Argentina game in Catamarca between Arsenal and Independiente. There were only about five people there. Um, but, you know, from, from both sets of, of supporters, and really, what can you do mm-hmm. there? It's not the AFA's jurisdiction because they're not organising the tournament. So. I was just going to say that away fans and rubber bullets have been banned. Oh, I haven't heard Yeah, that's true. At, at, yeah. at matches. Okay. Which is a step forward. You can't... You it's a massive step forward, yeah. but it, it, it just really highlights and, and very eloquently uh, it describes what's going on here. You know, So they have to ban not only the away fans, but also make sure that the police aren't armed mm-hmm. for, at, these, at these events. Because otherwise... I mean, this was essentially just one police officer who, who didn't know what he was doing. It was mm-hmm. gross yeah. uh, misconduct in yeah. the place of work, which in this case, when you've got a... You know, a rifle with, with rubber bullets. Then, then it tragically ended in in the uh, death of this. I think sport. you know. Well, it's it's brilliant that they've that they've outlawed rubber bullets. Like they should have no place in in football anywhere near a stadium. But I think more than anything, you know, you can do this. It's kind of a cosmetic measure because obviously after this, no police no policeman's going to be discharging his his gun for a while. But I think the salient point, what we really need to look at, is just educating the police. Like obviously, they're not being trained to sort out these kind of Big crowd situations, mm-hmm. and we've seen that they're either they've stand off too much and let any let it all go, or they come in too heavy-handed and make things worse. Like obviously, somewhere in the you know, these guys are being paid to um, to go to a stadium and um, pays to keep the peace. The very pay, low yeah. as well, very low. Yeah, another um, another cause, another Which, um, problem. Yeah, obviously, like the training isn't there for these for these guys. Mm-hmm. They're not being shown how to deal with a crowd with an unruly crowd. Like you know, let's let's not fuck about. Let's not. Um, you know, close rise. This is a tough situation in any in, in any country. Like police and football is not an easy job, but it can be done. Something you know, you've got to look at examples of how you know policing is working in other places. I'm sure every single person who's been to Argentine football regularly has got some story about being mistreated by police or seeing some crap that shouldn't have happened. It's clearly a problem with the training and education. That's yeah. And until until that changes, like these things are going to still happen. And it's also in some ways a, a problem of what we're seeing on the television at the moment, and what Joel has has spent the day uh, covering this train crash, which has killed three people and yeah. injured, according to TV Publica, three hundred and fifteen um, injuries. Where there's a passing of the buck every time this happens and it happens when it, when it happens in a football match it yeah. happens as well everybody says oh but it wasn't us I mean in this case clearly they've suspended three policemen I've, I've not the, the most recent I've heard was the three policemen yeah. have been suspended yeah. and these, one of them was the guy who, yeah. who shot Harris um, and presumably he's going to be you know punished to, to the full extent available although in Argentina sometimes you can't no, help wondering well, let's see. um but yeah, I mean, this problem of really nobody wanting to take responsibility at the end. Mm-hmm. beyond obviously the guy who actually was responsible. I mean, his mm-hmm. boss is going to say, "Oh no, but it was just him. It's nothing to do with me. It's not, you know, wash your hands of it, and, yeah. and that's it." They're not going to. It's an institutional level. But this is something that happens at every game, like this mistreatment yeah. of fans and stuff. I remember I went um, out to dinner yesterday with um, with a few colleagues, kind of journalist colleagues I've got here, Argentines. Judging by your tweets last night, dinner might be um, stretching. The- no, it was dinner. <laughs> 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 I wrote one tweet, yeah, and it was perfectly written. It was, yes, and they yes. apologised for the spelling mistakes in it. No, I said, apo- I, said I apologise if there are any spelling mistakes. <laughs> Carry on. Anyway, yes. sorry, this is a very please, serious please. topic. We'll stop yeah. And yeah, obviously, you know, we're all um, all football journalists, all working this side there. The yeah, conversation turned to that, and as well as football journalists, so we're all football fans who go to games. 
And they're saying, you know, just an example of how things can escalate. Um, one guy who's a, a Deportivo Morón fan, I think. Mm. He was, you know, lining up to go into the Popular and there was um, a guy, you know, probably a bit older than us in his late 30s or 40s and he was going with um, his young nephew. All kind of, you know, close to kick-off, it's all kind of building up and a policeman pushes like, pushes his uh, his nephew in, you know, kind of penning him in. And, was, and he says to him, you know, um, look, can you not do that? He's a, he's a young kid, like, please, like, be careful. And the policeman, like, the policeman's response was to turn around and say, look, why don't you suck my dick? And from there, you know, yeah. people hear it, get indignant, and then exactly. it, it ends in a fight. And yeah. I think they couldn't go in in the end because, you know, the police were looking for him for apparently instigating the problem. But, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's just an this example. Is one, kind of, of very small example just, of, yeah. of, of, of what the problem is. Like, the idiotic kind of thing. Like, yeah. Is it that hard to it's, teach someone? No need whatsoever. You know, so. Just to say, oh, sorry, you know, I went, rather than suck my dick. Mm. <laughs> no. Um, anyway, there were eight matches out of the term this weekend that did finish. Yeah, well, when, when's the good news? When's the, oh. the, the, when's the good news coming? The, the, good news, <laughs> the good news for me is that Mystic Sam, so far, if, if we include the fact that it's been the Antis 2-0 up in that match, <laughs> so I know it's called off, um, as, as a sort of half result, Mystic Sam has got 6.5 out of 9.5 so far well this in, week. So well in, well in, well in. 7 out of 10. Um, and I'm now going to just well, go very quickly through the results of the games that finished, and then, of course, we'll get on to what we normally do, which is talking about the stuff that we like about Argentine football the relegation battle the title race I think in Dan's case probably more the relegation battle at the moment but here we go um, round 17 began with a 2-0 win away to San, for San Martín de San Juan against Belgrano as Mystic Sam predicted um, then Tigre got a 1-0 win away to Godoy Cruz that was not one of the ones I predicted Quilmes beat Arsenal 2-1 River beat Independiente 2-1 we're going to come on to these later Colón 2 Atletico Rafaela 2 Racing 2 Boca 0 Newell's Old Boys. Oh! Did anybody see Newell's Old Boys? I did. It was poetry. They were very good. Newell's Old Boys 5, Union 0. Admittedly, Union are crap, but even so. San Lorenzo 1, Apentinos 1, and as we mentioned already, Venice Southfield versus Old Boys when it eventually finished was goalless. Um, people who remember last week's uh, podcast, people who remember the results that we were discussing about that needed to happen um, in order for something very big indeed to happen, would have realised that it didn't quite go that it way it was so close just so um, close San Martin and Argentinos both needed to, to win as well as Independiente losing uh, two of those happened Independiente and Quilmes winning as well uh, sorry yeah, yeah. K- uh, Quilmes not San Martin I was going to say yeah oh, you're right um, Independiente did lose Quilmes did win Argentinos did go 1-0 up after something like was it about 40 minutes or, or whatever of the match against San Lorenzo um, Independiente were down as, as it stood Independiente were de la B. Uh, they're not but they're hanging on by the skin of their teeth now if if Argentinos get one point from the two remaining matches or Sam, uh, not not and or San Martin get two points from the two remaining matches Independiente are down and even, that's that's if Independiente manage to win both the remaining games as well the most Independiente can possibly hope for is San Lorenzo get either none or two point or one point sorry Argentinos get no points, Independiente get six, and that will tie Independiente and Argentinos. It would relegate San Martín, tie Independiente and Argentinos, and they would have to play a one-off game in a neutral stadium to decide who goes up and who stays in. Sorry, who goes down and who stays in the Primera. Wow, this is all quite complicated. This is it? what it's got to now for Independiente. Yeah, yeah. Um, we can simplify it and say they're all but down. Yes. <laughs> 
Essentially, yes. For the reader's sake, of course. We'll if, uh, if Falcon Thinos going to draw at home to Colón this weekend, independiente down. If San Martín get a win at home, um, and remember San Martín have now won the last four home matches in a row, I think, against the Estudiantes, who've got nothing to play for, independiente down. And if independiente don't beat San Lorenzo at home, Clásico, um, and against a team who are fourth in the table in far better form, independiente down. Mm-hmm. Any of those three, not, not if all of those three happen, if any of those three happen. Um, so, what did we make of the, the various the matches themselves, guys? I mean, I guess the, the one that we need to start with really is, is River Independiente. There were a couple of incidents after that, incidentists as well, um, albeit mercifully, uh, relatively few. Um, decent game, I thought, decent win for River, because of course River will play to stay in the title race as well. This is the other side of the, of the coin. Um, and particularly the first half, I thought River were excellent. 2 um, 0. Tune it up uh, about an hour in. Juan Manuel Torbe scoring. Was it his first goal for him? Or his yeah, it was. Uh, I think first, it was. Yeah. It? And then setting up Manuel Lancini for the second. Mm. Torbe had his, his best match for River by far. So far. But, um, the Lancini goal goes back to something we said here on Handapod a, while, a few weeks ago, which is that Torbe brings something which actually quite few players have in Argentina, which is real pace. Yes. And he just he just, just been complaining about the number of really direct players in the national. Yeah, yeah, now exactly. Some... <laughs> no, no, sure. well, players in Argentina, yeah, not exactly. Argentina. No, this is the yeah, sure. Not, yeah. um, and I mean, he just he flew down the right wing, and I mean, he he gained about five or six meters on 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 the defender who was challenging, obviously for for that ball. And I mean, that's what it was all about. That goal was all about, just, as I said, him overtaking his, his marker and putting in a a, de- a good pass um, for for Lantini to take really well. Um, was it the first pass he's played since he moved to River Plate? <laughs> Attempting to was. Um, and yeah, Daniel Montenegro, former River player, um, pulled one back for Independiente in the 89th minute, but of course they couldn't really do very much. Oh, that was another game with, um, with a bit of crowd trouble as well. A little bit, yeah. Um, just, uh, just after, after, after Lancini's goal, the River fans all started uh, getting out the, the chant that you'll all have heard if you've watched it, uh, a stream of a River Plate game at any point, Vosos de la Bay. Which I heard a few River fans they weren't very happy about. No. What would, what did you think, Sam? What was your take on it um, after living that year in... I'm not, I, was, I wasn't a huge fan of that chant even before River got relegated, to be honest. I thought it showed a certain lack of... I, I've, been, I've gone on record before as, as saying that I don't think that the attitude that any of Argentina's big five clubs really has to, to the B is particularly healthy and I'd like to I hope in a way I've got friends who support Independiente uh, I have I won't say friends acquaintances who support <laughs> um, so I won't say that I hope Independiente go down it looks like they're going to but I think one of the pluses that they do and also, I hope that, that Boca do not because, you know, I mean, aside from the fact that I'm a really fan, because it might just get people <coughs> to just be a little bit more mature about the fact that yes, there's a second division. No, uh, people are always going yeah. in, in England, everybody's been in the second division. Okay, Arsenal haven't been for like 95 years, but ev- everybody has been at some point, and so there's no, there isn't this same degree of just vicious and really, in some ways, something quite harmful. But that's precisely why they have it, isn't it? Because precisely that, because a couple of years ago, you know, Independiente Boca and, and River were the only ones to have never gone down, so they had no. this point of pride, you know. Right. And and it's all part of the folklore, and it's, it's impossible it's not a big to accept it. But yeah, it, I mean, it gets of course, the point of course now they take it too far. It gets, it gets to the point now where Boca are doing awfully, River are challenging for the title, and River Trump mentions this, and the standard response is, "Ah, oh, yeah, but you've been in the second division." <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's Boca fans' answer to, and it's yeah. going to be a Racing. Well, okay, <coughs> Racing have been in the second division as well, but it's going to be a Racing fans' answer to everything after Independiente come up. Whenever they've got something, there's, there's no kind of just good-natured piss taking. It's all just no, even in the B. 
No, that ends the discussion, does it? That changes the fact that you're it, having the it, worst championship it, in your history. It's up there with the... Well, Hitler was democratically elected at first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's up there with that one, you know, in terms of just... <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, there was crowd trouble. River, uh, River's fans uh, got this got this chant out, and Independiente, the, the away end at the Estadio Monumental, uh, Monumental, I'll slow down a little bit, I'm talking too quickly, um, is in the upper tier, it's across from, from the, the Popular, which is also in the upper tier, rather unusually, in the Monumental, um, and it's, it's, there's a fence in front of it, of course, and then there's this kind of platform in front of that, which I guess is, I'm not Safety. sure why it's there, Safety, yeah, I mean, right? yeah, for, for, so that they can do what they did without just falling <laughs> onto the stand below. Um, they they sort of kicked the they didn't remove the panel of the fence like the All Boys fans did they they actually kicked the netting of the fence away from the yeah. the, the metal that it was welded onto and got out onto this this platform and so taunting and, and throwing chairs down onto the home I saw a brilliant comment on that I can't remember um, who did it but it was obviously a Racing fan he just said no let's not be too hard on the Independiente fans all they're doing is trying to um, trying to finish the stadium. Taking, taking, taking the chairs, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, this happened. It held the game up for about five minutes, and then the game continued. After that, Montenegro got his late goal, came to nothing. Independiente lost two one, and then on the way back, uh, a few, I, I think, a very, very small group, it must be said, of Independiente fans or barreros. I'm not. Sure, I'm guessing fans because they weren't being sort of police cordoned off from everybody else. Oh, they looted um, Barrio Chino. Yeah, looted a couple of Chinese restaurants in the Barrio Chino. Just what? Six, seven, eight blocks away from where you live. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. It was on a much smaller scale, let's say, than what happened the last time a team were relegated in the Monumental. Mm. Um, but, but there we go. That then you should have seen Avicennia that night. It was an absolute war zone. I'm sure. It was incredible. Yeah. Because the other thing that, that the APA did, and we were talking, by the way, last week's podcast, um, I, I forgot to update. During last week's podcast, we, we discussed the fact that this River Independiente game is going to be played at 9.30. That that people had appealed against it, but then it looked like it was going to go ahead at 9.30. Between recording that and me uploading it, they announced that it was going to be played at 2 in the afternoon, and that the Racing Boxing game was going to be moved to 9.30, which of course meant that Racing's fans and Independiente's fans were converging on Avellaneda at the same time. Independiente's yes. coming back from River in a very bad mood. Racing's arriving for their own game. I'm guessing, Dan, in a pretty good mood, right? Oh, fantastic. In precisely Absolutely the kind of mood yeah. you go, the Independiente fans getting off the bus across the road. From Completely, him, right? yeah. Um, so tell us about the, the premiere for that match, first of all, I guess. Well, it's just, um, to start with, it was an, an incredible police operation. They basically cut, um, cut all the traffic on uh, Puente Porredon, mm. which is the main bridge that, that goes from um, Capital de Avish- to Avishania. Um and they'd also cut uh, Mitre, which is one of the main avenues of um, Avishania, uh around the Racing headquarters and the Independiente headquarters, which are about Mitre two or avenue. three blocks between each other. I just want to check I've got them the right way around. Mitre is the avenue with all the traffic that's running back into Capital from Avishania, right? Yeah. Okay. It's the double... Yeah. Yes. Double yeah, okay, right. one. yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And, yeah, so I think there was something like 2,500 police on, on duty for that game. And this is a game as well, less. Um, where there was no away fans because just first of all adding Boca into the mix would have just been disastrous and also there was um, kind of a rumour that one of the barras of, of Boca Rafael Liceo had got a hold of 800 tickets personally to, to yeah. hand out so uh, I said no 
that's, that's a bit of an update to something we've previously talked about as well. We've discussed Pablo Migliore, we've discussed how he tied in with the Boca Barra, we've discussed how his arrest and the subsequent investigation has meant no tourists getting into La Bombonera for the last few weeks because the Barra have control of ticket resales. Di Seo, who Dan's just mentioned, is the previous capo of Boca Barra, who since has not been allowed back into La Bombonera or has managed to get in on a couple of occasions and has now been told, no, you can't. He's at war with the current head guy. And suddenly there's this story about, yeah, he's got 800 tickets, yeah. he's going to go to the game himself. So they said, no, right, no Boca fans. Yeah. At all. But then, in spite of all of that, like the, the atmosphere was very tense around around the stadium getting there, but also, just, it was it was brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. Like, went to a bar round on Midre and um, met up with a few of the lads, started drinking and that. And there was a few guys who'd already um, brought their ghost costumes along. And so using the stadium. And T- tell us about... There's this phrase in Argentina, La Fantasma de la Bay, and it first came out two, two and a half years ago when River were looking like um, they were going to be relegated. Yeah. There were opposing fans everywhere River would play would be dressed up in what, just bed sheets, basically, with eyes cut out, yeah. and the letter B, which of course is the second division in Argentina. It's called the B, it's not called the second. Um, and Racing fans, I have to say, have been a lot more. Uh, creative with with their use of this this phrase and um, some of the in Spanish they're called cargadas I guess the, the piss takes that they've been aiming at Independiente we had a guy dressed up as the Fantasma de la B going to Argentina's team hotel in Guayaquil prior to the Ecuador game so that he could find Sergio Aguero and get a picture with him I don't think he succeeded in actually getting the no, photograph I'm sure he just walked up to the door and asked for Kun Aguero because yeah. um, Aguero of course is an ex-Independiente player and a, a huge Independiente fan uh, we've had videos released of, of the Fantasma de la Bay arriving on a motorbike a few blocks from Independiente Stadium and asking a passerby, excuse me mate, which way is it to the Cancha de Independiente? All kinds of fantastic stuff. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been brilliant. And during Sunday's game, which was even better because it was a 2-0 victory over Boca, although I almost feel like you have to put um, Boca in like inverted commas because it's got to be the worst Boca side I've seen for, well, since I started watching Argentine football, it's funny you say that, Dan, because as a River fan, I feel obliged to mention that it is now officially the worst Boca side of yeah. all time. Because yeah. if they win the yeah. two remaining games, yeah. they're still going to have the lowest points total in their history for a single there we championship. Go. Yeah, so it was, yeah, it was a or two nil half a season of a, of a season long championship. Sorry, Cameron. Yeah, it was a two nil two nil victory, and like obviously, uh, Racing Boca is also one of the big rivalries of Argentine football. But even then, like probably ninety eight percent of the songs. And there was about five or six new ones as well, just for that day, were against Independiente. And you were saying, before Joel turned up, you were telling me that at half-time the, the DJ put a, a certain song on the tannoy. Yeah, the one that, it's a great song actually, real classic, with, um, Ioi Devas, 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 Devas. Yes, you have. Yes. I'll just play a little bit of it for the, for yeah. the benefit of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky then. Yeah. So this song came on and it was yeah, absolutely bedlam, like just dancing in the like dancing in the stadium, like, not jumping or anything, yeah. Just wait for the vocals to crack in for the benefit of listeners who speak Spanish. It's gonna take you a bit longer than I thought it would. No, you might wanna put it forward a bit. That's alright, so thirty seconds. We're gonna be talking for about an yeah. hour and a half. <laughs> It's basically a lament, you know, which is, this song's about, you know, a guy who's lost his girlfriend and lamenting her exit. Or a club that have lost their biggest rival. Or a club that, yeah. Yeah. Very sad, <laughs> they're going. Indeed. 
Oh no. Uh, we can... Anyway, we'll leave this on whilst we, whilst we talk, perhaps. I don't know how loudly this is going to come across. <laughs> Hopefully not too much. Um, so in short, it was a good atmosphere. It was it was bullied by a good win as well. Right, you're going, you're going, you're going. <laughs> and so on. <laughs> <laughs> so they played this at half time? Yeah, over the loudspeakers. As well as the um, the theme tune from TSC's Ascensor program. Like, <laughs> and it got grabbed as well, and we're like, we're humming that as like leaving the stadium and everything. <laughs> it was just, yeah, an absolute party, really. And we had one minute into the second half as well, just to cap it all. It was um, a penalty, it was 1 0 at that time, and yeah. uh, Guillaume Berdiso gave away a really idiotic penalty Saka went up to um, to take it from the goal and his place between the between the posts was taken by a ghost he managed to jump over the um, the moat let's say of um, the Racing Stadium well, everybody else was looking at the other end of the pitch yeah. well yeah we were all there like it was right in our eye shot being in the bubble lad he jumps out on the pitch and you know does this little wave and stuff and absolutely skins a fat policeman who was trying to catch him and, and jump back over into the <laughs> into the thing, and then the penalty went in. It's, yeah, just you can ask more from a guy. Just absolute brilliant. I have to say as well. Obviously, we've, we've all heard of and seen uh, penalty taking or even free kick taking uh, goalkeepers before. Chilavet, Rogério Seni, and so on. This might be the first time I've heard of a goalkeeper scoring in two consecutive home matches because he scored against Godoy Cruz. Ah, uh, yeah, for the penalty spot. Yeah, um, I was there. Yeah, uh, which is the only reason I noticed it. But yeah, uh, the first goal, Ole managed to. <laughs> To, uh, to credit two times it was either Pelletieri or a Burdiso it was Burdiso had both down and scoring it so. yeah Burdiso had a nightmare mm. absolute nightmare but no, it's has probably it, uh, hasn't really worked out for Burdiso has it not the, quite, the no. move to, uh, no. to Boca it's funny though because River were very close to signing him that he ended up going to Boca and it was a big scatter River yeah. all the fans were going nuts yeah, because, yeah. because Arsenal was excellent a great season yeah. obviously alongside Absolutely. Lisandro Lopez but then let's look at it you know um, for Arsenal he was alongside Lisandro Lopez now he's alongside Matias Caruso the penalty <laughs> machine as we like to call him behind the pod he's uh, picking up bad, ha- bad habits no exactly and, and speaking of Lisandro Lopez uh, he's, he's been linked with Benfica of Porto so um, so we've been wondering for ages and ages and ages why he's not had a move to Europe yet and suddenly must come now well clearly Benfica of Porto scouting team Granzano put the foot down yeah uh, he, he himself Lisandro Lopez said in, in an interview said uh Last last transfer window, um, that Grandona invited him round to his house. We should, as we're talking about Arsenal and Sarandi, we need to, to clarify. We're talking about Julio Grandona, not Arsenal's president. No, 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 exactly. No, no, Julio, head of the AFA, founder of Arsenal, and uh, yeah, he personally intervened, saying that you're not going anywhere, son. You're staying here. Really? When Julio Grandona tells you this, you, you listen. <laughs> You, yeah, you, you pay attention. Um, Arsenal, from, from their point of view, uh, lost two one at home to Kilnes, and bizarrely, nobody's having a go at them for it. Mm. Strange. Is this just just one week after Racing lost by a single goal to Kilnes as well, and everybody was up. Well, Independiente fans were all up in arms. Mm. We made the point last week that actually Kilnes are a better team than Racing, a more consistent team than Racing so far this season, and that it wasn't that surprising a result, even if you know there hadn't been these rumours flying around that Racing were going to throw the game. Um, I think those have been underlined um, uh, Jorge Ortiz and, Matt, uh, and Damian Leches scoring for Arsenal um, with uh, Calpe Ruccio uh, sorry 
Kante Rucci on and Lecce's scoring for Kilves and Jorge Ortiz after Jorge Ortiz but Arsenal won it up uh, really early on um, any others uh, the, the other one I guess was the of course San Lorenzo Argentinos game which feeds into this we've talked about uh, at the end of the game we've talked about uh, about Kilves win Argentinos as we already mentioned um, went one nil up against San Lorenzo that was Lucas Rodriguez's first goal for the club in his eighth appearance I think it was um and Alea managed to note him down a scoring twice there as well in the part. They've had a fantastic week this week with people who did the stats side of Alea. Uh, before Ankel Correa uh, equalised 12 minutes into the second half. Very good goal, Correa. Yes, yeah, great, great goal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Arcadinos, it's not in their own hands. They're currently out of the relegation zone above San Martin, but if both them and San Martin win their last two games, San Martin, because their points have been divided by fewer matches, are going to leapfrog Arcadinos and they'll be safe. Um, but they almost relegated Independiente and there were a couple of questions asked about I think Mercier uh, which who were the ex-Argentinos players for San Lorenzo it was Mercier Ortigosa Ortigosa no he's not no no he's not he's probably coming back for next season Um, wasn't it Buffarini Mercier and Buffarini Buffarini not ex-Argentinos but I think he's played for for Caruso before and they both apparently didn't shower and went got straight in the cars straight after the game and, and left this is after half time Tinelli oh, vice president but really the owner um, and you know TV personality um, number one TV personality in Argentina I going into the dressing room, dressing room to talk to him yeah. yeah and having and basically lots of suspicions Messi about outside. certain no, performances and anybody who says this kind of stuff is ridiculous but uh, well San Lorenzo got the results in the end so independent is still in the division for now they can't complain <laughs> Ah, Prost San Lorenzo, Lorenzo, are, yeah. San Lorenzo yeah. are playing Independiente this weekend yeah. so they could still end up really go to the money one yeah. Prosperi is another That's yes sorry well done of course um, but yeah we had the tantalising prospect for a few minutes on Monday afternoon of, of Independiente actually going down and we should mention it a bit more detail this Newell's game ok it's against Union Union are relegated they've I wouldn't say they've gone down without any dignity they've, they've played some nice football uh, particularly in the final obviously the, what really killed them was not winning his uh, winning one match I think it was at the very end of the NDC I'm not winning a single game I can't remember um, they managed three wins this time a lot of draws they've actually drawn more than they've lost um, but they got annihilated by Newell's mm-hmm. just the most one-sided match I've seen in Argentine mm-hmm. football in a while and it's, it's not like the highest scoring we've seen some, some 6 nil, 7 there was a 7 nil in, in the La Plata derby about 6 or 7 years ago and so on. but this was just but also when, when Newell's have been struggling for goals in the last last few weeks, you know, they haven't been scoring that many, but um, but as you said, they were just they were on fire and uh, some nice, really well taken goals, and um, yeah, it was excellent. Uh, Newell's actually won four 0 in the like, previous home game, Joel against Boca. Um, but yeah, apart that was Boca reserves, I should say. But yeah, apart from that, they, the the other two games, either side of that, they only scored once, and I think they lost both of them actually as well. Oh, they drew they drew, drew away to Kilmer one one, and then lost two one away to All Boys. So yeah. Um, but no, I, I think now, as I say, I'd make, uh, in terms of the championship standings, we should say, we've mentioned already that Lanusa Estudiantes is finished. Uh, Lanusa losing that 2-0 at half-time. It's going to be played next Wednesday, as we said. This Sunday, River play Lanus. So the situation there is going to be, if, uh, if River win, then the championship race is going into the last weekend. If Lanus win, and then manage to turn round and win, uh, you know, as in score three or more goals without, without replying in the second half of the Estudiantes game on Wednesday... And the championship race is going into the week uh, next weekend, but if that match finishes in draw, 
Newell's win the title. Assuming, of course, that Newell's going to win in their own game. Um, basically, we've got two games left, two and a half in Lanius' case, uh, and Newell's are on 35 points, River on 32, and, which is a gap of three points, just in case you're rubbish at maths, and Lanius are on 29, so they're six behind with half a game in hand, and they're losing that half game too, though. So it's looking like it's between River and Newell's at this stage. Is yeah. it fair to say? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it's also fair to say that Newell's are favourites. They've got the three-point advantage. They're in astonishing form. And also, they don't have midweek distractions to worry about anymore, yeah. which is what's caused them to maybe just slip up on a couple of occasions. The all-boys loss came right after they've beaten Bocca in that epic penalty shootout, mm. uh, second leg of the Copa Libertadores, for instance. The Newell's are away to Atletico Rafaela this coming weekend. And River are away, of course, as we've mentioned just now, to Lanús. And then in the last weekend, they're both at home. Newells play Argentinos Juniors on the final weekend, and River play San Martín de San Juan. Two sides who are in the relegation battle, and who, as we mentioned, almost certain this weekend, I think for most of us, that Independiente are going to go down this weekend. Assuming Independiente do go down this weekend, those two sides, Argentinos and San Martín, are both going to need wins in order to stand a chance of staying up. So we've got the two teams playing for the title against the two teams playing to avoid the last relegation spot. So if you wanted to know which two matches to watch in the last weekend of the Donnell final, uh, it's almost definitely those two, unless Lanus managed to get a point. Will both um, of them be on at 9.30 then? I would think that both of them are going to be on at the same time. Whether it's going to be 9.30 at night, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but, yeah. Well, I guess without away fans... It's not going to be such a problem because both of the mm. the uh, the, rele- the teams who could get relegated are both the away teams. So if their fans aren't there, it's less likely to be a security risk, I guess. So yeah, they could they could end up both being on at nine thirty on the Sunday night. Um, is there anything else that we need to to discuss, no. gentlemen? On, yes. on, on pitch wise, what else have we got on the running order? Oh, the tax issues. I'm starting to wonder whether anybody involved with Argentine football actually pays any tax. No, we've had, we have the stories about Lionel Messi, which it turns out probably slightly premature that the Spanish magistrate has to pass off on those before they're actually signed. Not that anybody in the press has picked up on that fact. Um, but yesterday, we had the announcement after like a one or two month preliminary hearing that the AFIP are going to be allowed to go after uh, Jonathan Bottinelli of River Plate for his transfer from San Lorenzo to River via Union San Felipe of Chile. Um, as a tax avoidance issue in the, the triangulations um, series, which also involves Gonzalo Higuain's transfer from River Plate to Real Madrid six years ago. Is that, is that involved, isn't it? Yeah, he's one of the guys being involved. Why the bloody hell have they taken this long to get round to it? Bizarre, isn't it? Uh, but yeah, we had that. We also, yesterday, hilariously, had the officers of the, uh, the, the AAA, the, one of the two refereeing uh, unions, also raided as a result of a tax uh, investigation into one of their sponsors, Grupo Midas, who are all of the bingo halls in, in Greater Buenos Aires. And then today, there's been, there have been raids on San Lorenzo, Racing, um, one of the other clubs, and the AFA headquarters, all under this same umbrella of, of, of tax um, investigations. Anything to add, guys? I mean, we're not going to go into a huge amount of detail on this, obviously, but it's... Why don't they just pay it? And, you know. I think there's an obvious reason to say that once a year. Well, the, yeah, the only thing with that is when you said that it's taken them six years to get around to looking at the Iguain deal. First of all, I'm surprised that Iguain's got nothing to do with that that deal in the first place. No, precisely. Um, I mean, they're actually investigating just, Botinelli and Iguain and the players involved. When it's you'd assume they're agents and clubs who are actually well, the ones who are avoiding paying tax. River sold his his percentage. 
the transfer rights to um, to the Pino Zahavi group, mm. and they sold it then via Locarno in Switzerland. So, I mean, it, it's the deal, but obviously, Iguain hasn't got anything to do with it here. But what I would just say is that you know justice is pretty slow here today. Carlos Menem was was jailed for seven years um, for arms trafficking. Uh, and, and, and the, tra- the, ex- the ex-president first, but I mean, ex-president, first ex-president of Argentina out in what year? Well, no, no, no but he exactly. finished his term. Like, he did finish his yeah, term. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, no, but I mean, he was. Point like, is, point is, the first ex-president year. of the nation who's who's been sentenced to jail for for crimes, arms trafficking in this deal, in this case, but seven years in jail, coming after an eighteen-year trial. Hmm. Which is he actually going to end up serving those seven years? House, 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 house arrest. Appeal, right? It'll be house yeah. arrest. We'll see. Yeah. Yes. Um, so there we go. This is the long, the very long, extremely slow arm of Argentine justice. We're going to play some music now. Uh, we're going to recharge our glasses, and then we're going to come back and we're going to answer a few of your questions. long discussion today. Um, uh, the first is from John, uh, he emailed me this one in. Uh, he says he's a massive uh, River Plate fan in, from New Jersey and a long-time listener of the podcast, so welcome to our question section, John. Um, when it comes to supporting a national team, he says he's fully supports the US. I remember reading online a few months ago about Jurgen Klinsmann, who, for the benefit of non-Americans or people who don't really follow football outside of South America or Europe or whatever, is the current national team manager in the United States. Um, about Jürgen Klinsmann reaching out to Rogelio Funes Mori, who lived in Texas, post 10 years old. Um, Michael Oshos, who, um, who has played for the Argentina in the 20s, but also born in California, um, so could play for the United States still. Um, about the possibility of him playing for the US national team. He says, I'm highly doubtful of how much Funes Mori could contribute. Full stop. I think we'd all agree there. Um, so, but, so disrespectful. <laughs> This but is FN9 we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, that says, but in all seriousness, uh, what do you think those guys could bring to the table for the US? And also, which other Argentines do you think might pull a Lucas Barrios or a Mauro Camaranesi in the future and play for another national team? Let's try and deal with the US question first of all. I don't know how much anybody of us three really knows about the US national team in terms of what they need. No, I, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I think Michael Osh is quite, could be quite a similar player to Clint Dempsey. That's yeah, sort of yeah. Michael Balak, sort of attacking midfielder, very all round, and doesn't really excel sort of any any one sort of uh, skill set, but but he's real all rounder. I know you were out for a long time. One of the points that John makes in his email is that Oshos hasn't played very many matches for Argentina. Well, this is to the well, this, well, the thing is that under Sabella he got a lot of games, yeah. mm. and that's when he really started. I did a story with him, interviewed yeah. him for for the BBC, and he was sort of saying he wants to play for Argentina. Um, he had a car crash. He had a car crash and hasn't really played since. Um, he's also got a brother, by the way, Kevin Oshos, who's in the stu- couple of years below him in the Estudiantes, obviously youth youth system striker as well. So he too, if he if he starts, uh, you know, if he starts to impress, gets his chance, then maybe he could be another option because obviously he has the same story. Well, also, Ramiro for his money. It's right, right, money. exactly. Yeah. But um, but as you st- exactly, Michael Oshos hasn't really played since the accident. Yeah. And so I'm not really sure what what the situation. Well, it's it could be an interesting one. I don't know. Well, it's could be an interesting one yeah. for a couple of reasons because, of course, his. Uh, his, their, I should say, 
immigration status when they were in the United States. I think still to this day it's slightly up in the air. So if they actually got asked to play for the national team... So he's, not a, cit- cause a few so he's not a citizen. That's very much not a citizen, no. Um, yeah, I'm not sure I've how legally have, how clear-cut that is. I've, I've heard a couple of whispers about uh, his parents not actually having been legal while they were right. there for that's, any of the like seven years they were living That's there. More, than, more than possible. Just this week, Obama praised, um, what was the name of the uh, Argentine guy as, as kind of the example of the immigrant who, who travelled, the guy from, from Chaco, family went there, illegal, got, got all the papers sort of sorted out and then went to university, blah, blah, blah. But he was, this Argentine immigrant was singled out by Obama as, um, as this story. I mean, maybe if, if, if the Fornus Mori family had stayed a bit longer, then maybe Fornus Mori could have been the one that Obama was... was yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a big step up from being hated by River. <laughs> well, the pressure of having to develop as a player on, in, in the worst season in River's history. We still it? maintain that when Fornus Mori leaves, he'll, he'll, do, he'll have a good career. Oh, I don't disagree. I mean, and Santiago, Santiago and, and you said it on yeah, last week's podcast, yeah. I don't disagree. And, and if that does happen, then and if there is a chance that he could play... Yeah. That he's eligible, yeah. then obviously US would be a much better call because mm-hmm. Facebook Funes Mori is not going to challenge no. Batistuta's no. goal scoring record for Argentina. I mean, this, this is the crucial thing, isn't it? In both the Funes Mori's case and in both of the Oshos case, they're going to get more of an opportunity for Argentina, for the United States. Sorry. Yeah. So in that respect, although I'm sure, well, you say that Michael's actually told you this, and I'm, I'm sure that the, the Funes Mori's at least would rather play for Argentina if they have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. If they start looking at it in terms of right, but what's actually going to be the opportunity to get to play in a World Cup, yeah. to get to maybe win a, a, a continental title in the form of the Gold Cup or whatever, the US probably gives them a better chance at that. For sure. Definitely, yeah. Um, Sorry, Dan, you were going to say something. Yeah, to just to move on to the second part of that question, he was mm. talking about you know, players doing uh, Lucas Barrios or Jonathan Santana. Uh, I'm not too hot, you know, on Icardi every player's. Icardi are going to, uh, to Italy. Also, um, Luis Farina has already been um, contacted by, you know, representative of the Paraguay national team. Oh, really? Because okay. his mum is from Paraguay, I think. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm guessing there's a few players with similar stories yeah. around, you know, with Paraguayan parents and stuff, you know. What well, happens to that story about Ismail Blanco having like, Egyptian... Uh, didn't someone contact... Yeah, because he played in... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Has, has that happened? I've not heard anything since. Yeah. And also, look out, you know, before... But, but of course, we have... Uh, I mean, one of the, the most prominent recent examples is Fernando Muslera, the Uruguay goalkeeper who was born in Argentina. Mm. I think, like, born across the river from Uruguay and then immediately moved to Uruguay. Yeah, yeah. You know, his mother went to the hospital to have him yeah. there and then moved back. But It'll also yeah. be interesting to watch out, you know, it's a bit in the future, but coming up to the 2022 World Cup, if um, some players from Argentina start moving to Qatar and then learn citizenship there. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm completely serious. Yeah. Well, it's it's, it's happening with Brazil, Brazil yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd be, yeah. They're offering a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if a couple make their way there. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think whether there are actually any. Well, because the thing is that well, with Barrios, the thing is there's, there's no link there. It's just yeah. that he, right? He, he just yeah, he's just been in Mexico for long enough. He's just been there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, playing in Mexico now. Which country am I thinking? Paraguay. 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 Sorry. Or, or has, has he got Paraguay parents? <laughs> I thought it was to do with um, the how, oh, there's a case in Chile oh, where he'd been, he'd been, yeah, he'd been in Chile for so long that he just got citizenship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, there's no link there other than the no. fact that he just lived there for a few years. And I'm not sure of that. I think he might have Paraguayan family, I but with Chile, it was. No, it was Barrios as well. Did he? He was thinking about taking Chilean citizenship That's it, because of residency, exactly. But he decided for Paraguayan because he then moved to Germany and he could have he could get it anyway. That's right. And then, of course, in Chile as well, there was the case of uh, Matias Rodriguez, uh, Chile ex right back, who is now at Sampdoria, I think. So I'm guessing that 
that road's been shut. Barrios' mother is Paraguay. There you go. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I knew that. Yeah, just, yeah. Can you edit that out? No, that's fine. It's two fairly similar cases. Like one, it's not understandable. Yeah. State jail, so we'll keep it in. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Others. I think somebody tweeted me a question the other day. Ah, right. Yeah, the inside left have asked. Uh, this isn't a question so much as, as an appeal for um, for people. He says, um, "Hello, we're after English-speaking writers and fans who might want to write a piece about them and their club in Argentina." It's for the One Love section on theinsideleft.com, um, a page for writers and supporters to tell us their unique fan stories. Any interested writers, please tweet us. Uh, their, insi- uh, their, their Twitter is the Inside Lefty with a Y at the end, or email writers at theinsideleft.com. Um, they tweeted me about it yesterday, and I said I'd be more than happy to, to give them a shout out. So that's that. If you're, for instance, uh, the ones who I had in mind at the time were the, the two Newells fans who we've got who listen all the time and send us lots of questions, although yeah, none this definitely. week. Bizarre. I could have a few good stories uh, as well, I reckon. But yeah, if, if you're based pay? in the States or the UK or whatever, they, they don't pay those voluntary. That's, that's the, the crucial point. Yeah, even um, so. your love for wrestling, I mean, you know, exceeds yeah, you know, any monetary... Yeah, that's about it, that's about it, yeah. Exactly. So yeah, Dan, if you want to get in touch or if any of our listeners, uh, if, if you're a big River fan or, or Newells fan or Rassing fan or... or Indeed, whatever Chicago fan or whatever, who's that Norwegian guy who supports some ridiculous Douglas Egg or something? Who wrote us a question about a year ago. Uh, you should hit. be a provisor, right? If you haven't run from the police in any any moment, then you can't qualify. You're just such a badder. <laughs> such a badder, but always. We're just talking about police brutality. Obviously, if you, yes. haven't, if you haven't run from the police, listen to you. It's not fighting the police. I'm saying running from the police. That's fine. The baddest fight. Uh, Coco the monkey. Coco the monkey asks. I, I don't think he's asked. He's he just tweeted me a list, and I assume that he's asking us to discuss it. This was uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, best managers in Argentina. Number one. I, I, I suspect he's being facetious. So he's put number one Carlos Bianchi. Number two uh, Jose Peckerman. Number three Tata Martino. Number four Sabella. Do we have anything to discuss about this? Um, I say I overall you can't. I think we can write off Bianchi just because of one season, right? No, no, of course not. And he was still the, the most successful uh, coach in the yeah, history of the Copa Libertadores. Yes. Yeah. yeah, let's not... You know, he's had a truly awful season this year. Some of it's his doing, some of it not, but it's still a fantastic I'd say, coach. I Ramon Diaz might be there to mention mm. he's the most successful manager in the history of the most successful club, domestically speaking. But how long since he's won something, Sam? <laughs> well, in fairness, he's not managed in Argentina for pretty much all of the time since he last won something in Argentina. Ramon Diaz? Yeah. Mm. I'm sorry about San Lorenzo he's been in the Benyende they don't count count. (laughs) the top five they're part of the big five apparently how can they not count yeah that's true yeah no it's Um, not far off that list I don't know if Sabela I'd put there right now in terms of historical achievements I'd probably in in fact in terms of historical achievements you might end up having to include somebody like Subandia Subandia the first I should say the Estudiante yeah exactly but I get the impression he's talking relatively from from the list he's given I think he's probably talking relatively sort of current yeah I wouldn't put Sabella in that list yet just yet no Tata Martino's got to be another Martino yeah if Sabella gets Argentina say beyond the quarters of the World Cup yeah then we'll talk so we can talk yeah no, um, come on, come on. Sabella has to hit semis. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Beyond, Beyond the quarters. quarters. Oh, sorry, sorry. In most people's, you know, last I heard. Sorry, so I was still thinking about Tata Martino about having to justify that that inclusion, but it's yeah. okay. You're not going to challenge me. So Learn English, job, please. Come on. <laughs> well, no, Martino maybe needs a little more time and a few more achievements before we can talk about that as well. He's relatively, as a manager, he's relatively young. Mm. Yeah. Matthias um, yeah. Silverstein asked, uh, "So much violence over after weekend seven you noticed 
should every team take a page from Racing and not let in opposing teams' fans? Well, well the first thing that's is what's that's what's happened. But the other thing is that it wasn't really Racing's decision, as we said. It was yeah. it was a police decision. It was, it was a provincial, the provincial security authorities. What's yes. it called? Aprevi? No, it's changed. Aprevi. Aprevi. It is. got kicked out because. And after seeing, I saw a TV channel using Copresede last week. So. But this is like, you know, when they still talk about the... Descenso Directo, exactly. which somebody did at the weekend. Somebody oh. said, Independiente is still in, in Descenso Directo, and then they, they corrected themselves. In the I can't remember which channel, but I think it was Fox Sports. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. And it was the first time I've ever seen, and, and I thought... Bro, it's technically not wrong. Well done. Yeah. yeah. He went, no, actually, that, that's not the right thing to say, because, of course, there's no... It's a completely different system. Completely different, yeah. Anyway. But yeah. No, um, I mean, over the long term, if... There's no visiting fans. It'll be a disaster for Russian football. It's a massive admission of defeat. Well, it, well, it didn't work. They did it in the lower leagues. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. been that situation for, since 2007, and it hasn't worked. So uh, I, I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing. I think it's to the end of this season, yeah. certainly. Completely rightly um, yeah. after what happened, but yeah, we'll, next season we'll see. Um, I don't know whether either of you two guys <laughs> can remember this. Christopher Hyland or Hilland. I'm sorry if I've mispronounced your name. Um, says, listening to podcast number 68, Wow, which is like, what, a year or a year and a half ago, must be. We're still in black and white then, right? And, yeah. Um, and Sam, that's me, well, I can't remember it, mentioned an article about why Arsenal de Sarandi aren't popular. Could you send a link, please? I, I already replied to it via the Hop um, uh, account and said, can you give me a few more specifics, like when was the date, how recently did I say it, also did I mention the author? But can either of you think of any at all about no. that? Now, like? um, I can't remember writing one, at least. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I've got a horrible yeah. previous one that I wrote and I've just completely forgotten about, so we'll see. Would it not be around the time when they were champions, maybe? Uh, possibly. That would make sense. Yeah, yeah, might yes, be, yeah. I think I remember you mentioning yeah. it. Yeah, um, yeah. Or, yeah. Um, that would make sense anyway. But yeah, I mean, in, in short, the reasons are just that they were founded by Grandona as we've already mentioned tonight, and that not many people like him. That's, that's it, really. And there's a lot of suspicion of sort of yeah. institutional bias towards them. Talking about Arsenal and their fans, or their non-existent fans, uh, Santiago has tweeted us and said, I'd love to hear your thoughts about this ludicrous Boca to the B in 2015 theory. Santiago can't appear on Hand the Pod this, weekend, but, uh, this week, but he's not allowed that to stop us from um, talking about one of his ridiculous conspiracy theories. Uh, there's this massive, I don't know whether either of you read that email. Yeah, I did. It was brilliant. Anyway, he reached a new high in paranoia. And so, Dan, can you just very, very briefly surmise it for us? Because I didn't read it. There were only so many hours in the day. Yes, if I can remember rightly, it was that um, basically all the um, relegations are sorted so that every every big team in Argentina is going to go down to the B at some point. Um, Boca's year of year of, ha- year of uh, despair is going to be in 2015 I wish they could do it next year because if it happens in two, in two years time it's going to mean that Boca end up beating River's record by six months yeah I don't think they've still got a big really, championship really winning season like, I can't see it happening if, if I'm remembering correctly yeah. anyway but. and yeah it was all sorts of um, crazy convoluted conspiracy theories one that uh, San Lorenzo were meant to go down last year but Tinelli came along and put loads of cash in so it didn't happen 
Yeah, it was it was a fun read, if nothing else. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like something you'd expect to read in, in Barcelona, which is yeah, a yeah. satirical magazine here. But uh, but but with the 2015 thing, it was quite funny because the River Plate vice president this week said uh, he said I think River, I think Boca are going to go down to, in 2015. Yeah. He said in in, in his yeah. interview. Yeah. Amongst well, he said, I hope been, they do. Yeah, he said I hope. But I mean, you know, it was just I mean, interesting the, uh, that he hit the yeah. uh, he got the right year. It's, it's something to keep an eye on because obviously they're well, going to carry season, around the season and the last season for a while. I, what I thought when, when he said that yesterday was that part of the thing was that River finished bottom of a championship in 2008 yeah. the, the Apertura 2008 two seasons later two and a half years mm. two, two seasons later they got relegated Independiente uh, as well Independiente finished bottom two years ago yeah, 2010 oh that was the Apertura yeah. as well okay so two seasons after that Independiente now yeah. at some point in the next two weeks they're going to get relegated almost certainly we'll say um so yeah, I think I got the impression that it was much of that. So I think Boca finished yeah. close to bottom. Oh no, that, that's that's a definite. If Boca don't have a good season next year, they're, 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 they're going to be in trouble because yeah. because of this season. I mean, that's that's a definite. But um, so but we're yeah, all we're hoping just... that they actually do get invited to play in the Copa Sudamericana and they accept, right? <laughs> so it distracts them a bit. Boca being like River in yeah, the final of the Sudamericana, <laughs> River winning, Boca having sacrificed the entire championship so they can win it. <laughs> Lovely. Um, Leo Russomano, Russomano asks uh, in terms of football quality which English Premier League clubs do the Argentine Big Five plus Vélez most closely mirror for example Boca equals QPR <laughs> he wrote that not me Seba <laughs> um, I'm guessing he means just at the moment from the fact that he's given Boca's Queen's Park Rangers yeah I don't know such a tricky one I mean Liverpool's quite a Kind of there or thereabouts because it's a big team. Obviously, up until just a year ago, two years ago, they had more league titles in in, in England than, than anyone else, and they haven't won those since 1991. Mm. So this kind of idea of you know, fall from grace. I mean, maybe maybe Liverpool there, but I don't think this. It's, it's so difficult because they're all all the clubs here have such sort of very defined sort of social yeah, yeah. backgrounds and foundations and that it's very difficult to compare and mapping them onto each other as we've discussed on previous Hand of Pods doesn't really work because of course there are far more big clubs big clubs in inverted commas in England than there are in Argentina anyway where there's this entrenched big five yeah, yeah, controversial. No, I don't think I don't think you can get away with saying football, that with yeah, that yeah, no, I'm, I'm, yeah. Football this, this side of the table against that sorry right if, no but if we're Come talking on. big five yeah against clubs who could call themselves big with, in England no I'd right. say that there are more but it's complete, in England it's completely skewed by money because yeah. Manchester City yeah, and Chelsea no, 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 are not, his, are not but big But historically, big the ones that people think of as big clubs yeah. United, Liverpool, Liverpool Arsenal. Arsenal You've got both, both Manchester clubs are big no. City went up to the third division it was still selling 40,000 plus tickets in the third division Yeah, but that's one thing but the that's other thing is just, It's history as well and they don't have the history they do have the history. Nah. No, the big, but the big five is from titles, not from yeah. packing no. out stadiums. Well, yeah, otherwise, titles, otherwise, titles and membership otherwise, and the Cordoba, otherwise, the Cordoba clubs would be in the big. Yeah. Eight. Well, this is the thing. If it was a Newell's and Centre Up, yeah. right. if it was a slightly more sensible discussion rather than just having this Argentine big five and the media just concentrate on them and nothing else, then yeah, we would be talking about the two or arguably the three Cordoba clubs as big clubs. They no, are. in England by, there's by a, English standards yeah. they are big clubs I say in England so there's a it's, big, up to, it's up to um, attendances that, that define big clubs no, it's, not, it's not only attendances no. there's a lot more but, but I'm, I'm saying that there are more there are more big clubs in inverted commas rather than just send a big five so which, which are the big clubs in England? Uh, I'd say both Manchester clubs both Liverpool clubs Newcastle mm. Villa you can't say Villa right? Villa won the European Cup I didn't, say, that. I didn't say they're not <laughs> you were, you were, no no I was, I was sticking with Newcastle yeah. Arsenal, Spurs, 
You don't think Newcastle are a big club? No. Of course they're a big club in, in, in lowercase big club. Yeah. But they're yes, not the big club. About. But they're not uppercase no. big club. I'd say big if, five. If grande. we had to define not, yeah. Newcastle are not a grande in England. If we had to define like a If we had to define a grande in Argentine terms of the Premier League, you'd have Arsenal, United, Liverpool, and I'd say really, really, you know, controversially Tottenham would sleep. Them four. That's it. You're right about. You, no, you're right about. You, I mean, not, otherwise, I'd arguably with the history, I'd argue with the other Everton in that. All right, so, so the length of time they've been. Yeah, but they've not won anything. Nottingham Forest. No. You'd have to have Nottingham Forest then. Yeah. No. So we're talking like eight, so this, this eight nine how, big clubs. This is my point. It's difficult yeah. to map them on because how do you define a big club in England versus the very kind of rigid definition yeah. of But big surely, club. I mean, Nottingham Forest don't don't get column inch these days in no. the UK, and, and no. of course, I mean, one of the most yeah. glorious chapters in yeah. in English football history, what well, under Brian Clough. But it was ten but years, no, five years say, of success, and then yeah. a mid. So that's the thing. I mean, just I mean, sixty years of mediocrity. Oh, look, look what you started, Leo. Yeah. No, for me, this, Arsenal, this, this Arsenal, Liverpool, and United. That's that's the free end. Tottenham would be like the sixth Grande. The fact that we can have this debate is 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 interesting, and it yeah. feeds into what we were saying earlier about the lack of respect for lower divisions in Argentina in many ways, because in England it's much more difficult to define because everybody's been down. Everybody's. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and there never was. The other thing is to, to mention that the big five in Argentina are were. It's not a media creation; like it's an AFA creation. Um, when Argentine football turned turned professional, Severs told this story before I had a pod, but it was it was a couple of years ago, so I, I'll repeat it now. When Argentine football turned turned professional, um, the AFA said that they, any um, any club who had had uh, who'd won two or more championships. Uh, first or second division, I think they put. Um, had a stadium that was big enough to hold this many people and had this many paying members per month would be a big club and they would get three votes. The, the next something like 10 or 12 clubs down attendance wise were going to get two votes and then everybody else was going to get one vote. And the, the only five clubs who met those standards at that time were the current big five. And then they were then, from 1931 to 1966, they were the only clubs who won the championship. So it is a historical, and it's like a semi-official thing. This is the reason mm. people still talk about the Cinco Grandes now, even though San Lorenzo uh, or Racing particularly have <coughs> kind of not won titles in... Ooh, I'm, I'm sorry. Daggering. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just saying Riverbock in... But it goes back to what, more one of my, my gripes with the, the Lanús top of the table get you know relegated to sort of page 17, 100-word column in, in, in Olé, sports and football daily. Yeah. So, yeah, sure, I mean, it's... Uh, moving on. Uh, didn't we reach a conclusion there, did we? No, we didn't. Yeah, we apologise, Leo, for basically, rather than answering your question, just explaining why it doesn't make sense. Um, Coco the Monkey says, I just saw Itorbe's interview on Indirecto. I think he picked up a lot of experience in Porto, and I give him a, uh, I, I rate him as a better forward than Funes Mori. I don't think we're going to argue too much with that. And River Fairly could be dangerous up front. Do you think that Itorbe will plan out for River? Assuming he stays next year, I think. He will he stay next year? Is big, he on like big, big assuming? Yeah, yeah, that, up in the air. It's a very big if, yeah. I mean, the, the, the financial commitment from River to renew the loan yeah. would be huge, even though they've been mm. talking about it for a while. You would think with Imar uh, showing his interest. You don't want to leave that in. That's brilliant. <laughs> Stop laughing. I've just edited out a bit where I've burped in the middle of That if, if River are going to have to shut up with Imar's wages to entice him away from Belgrano and Estudiantes or whatever it is he's been linked to, um, that that's going to take up a fair bit of the financial commitment to pay Porto for an extra six months loan. Well, if they can sell him for his money for 10 million euros, like, maybe I'll stay. That's true. Again, that might be quite a slightly big if, but we'll see. It's a very big if. Um, that's it. Uh, Viva Fantasma says 108. You guys move fast. 
time missed last week. We, time yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we record about an episode a, a week when we can. <laughs> we almost didn't manage to today. Uh, but, yes, anyway, 108 uh, and counting. Um, I'm going to play some music now, and then I'll come back, and I'm going to tell you what to take all of your life savings and which results to bet on this weekend. Don't forget, six and a half out of nine and a half so far. Sam, this is the second, arguably second biggest weekend in hand of pod history, behind the weekend that Ripper got relegated, coming up, Independiente get relegated, I would say. Um, so here we go, am I going to predict Independiente relegation? Yes, probably. Um, All Boys versus Racing, draw. Why are you starting in on Sunday? Fun. How come you're starting on Sunday? I do, yeah, because I've written the previews as they were uh, scheduled on Monday afternoon, uh, and they've been timetabled since. Tigre versus Bel... Yeah, sorry, that's a very good point. None. These are not the order that the match is going to be played. Tigre versus Belgrano uh, is going to be a draw as well. Argentinos versus Colón. I think Argentinos are going to get a win there. So that's the question answer. I'm predicting an Independiente relegation, because if that happens, Independiente are down. Um, San Martín versus Estudiantes. I think he's going to finish all square, which would leave the Argentinos and San Martín situation in Argentinos hands, I think, going into the last weekend. Kilmes versus Godoy Cruz. I think it would be a draw. Independent. There's been no draws so far, right? Mm, I've got a couple of draws. Like five draws. No, nothing like that. I don't have a predicted five matches yet. Independiente versus Four. San Lorenzo is going to be. Anybody? San Lorenzo win. Ooh. Without any away fans. Don't go to our base that night. Boca Juniors versus Arsenal de Sarandi. I think it's going to be a draw. And Letigo Rafael against Newell's. No, we're getting into the title predictions now. Newell's win. Lanús versus River. I think it's going to be a River win, even though Lanús have not yet lost a home match this year. And Dunion versus Vélez Sarsfield. I think it's going to finish all square. So there you go. Go out and bet all of your life savings on all of those matches. And don't, not in an accumulator. And if you're really lucky, you might come away with a small profit. Um, apart from the really obvious ones, the Lanús game, the Lanús River game, the Newell's game and the Independiente Argentinos and San Martín games are any of the kind of mid-table not really important games looking big to you guys about no then just not really important yeah. we've got all the Copa Sudamericana places yeah. already uh, decided now as well we should say Racing and San, La- and San Lorenzo yeah. stumbled over the well San Lorenzo stumbled over the line with the draw against San Martínos Racing raced over it with that brilliant 2 0 win against Boca actually the All Boys game will be interesting because it will be um, Jose Pepe Romero's last home yeah, game in yeah. the Ferguson of uh, the Alex uh, Ferguson of Ferguson of Argentina yeah so that'll be worth watching. Like I'm sure it'll be, it'll be quite emotional. Uh, it's been there, what, since 2007? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Six years, yeah. The sources close close to hand of pod, i.e. Santi Meeks, um, inform us reliably that uh, Julio César Falcioni is going to be the next All Boys manager. There we go. He informed us that about two weeks ago. We just didn't mention he did, he so. did. Yeah. yeah fair enough. Um, Interesting that, um, that a club like All Boys are now in the, um, in the position to attract a coach like Falcioni. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A league winner, like a couple of other finalists. I think a lot of that might be the kind of the propaganda at least that surrounded him during his Boca stint. Whereas by the fact that actually his Boca stint was pretty bloody impressive in terms of the results he got, everybody became convinced he was a shit manager because he was playing dull football. It's clearly not winning far yeah. more games than he wasn't. Yeah. I mean, he, he got Banfield champion. He turned around Boca yeah. completely. Like they're a shambles for Ferita. 
he took over. Like no one particularly enjoys this football, but you can't argue with results, right? I, th- I mean, which manager did he take over from? Miguel Ángel Russo, was it? In Boca. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, Borgi, no. Borgi, right? Yeah. If they'd gone straight from Borgi to Bianchi and had similar form from both managers going through, if it weren't for the Falcioni section in the middle, it'd be very we, close. We might going be talking down. about Borgi yeah. going down next year. Um, well, I remember. I think I don't know if it was last year, but there was one year where. Um, where Boca needed a decent season to stay up. I think uh, it was 2011-2012, yeah. yeah they needed, yeah. There was a few whispers and then obviously they went out the window when, when they won the title. But yeah, they were definitely when Fazioni was there. He had kind of an indifferent first six months, say, at the start yeah. of 2011. And then, yeah, but he, well, you know, we'd be talking about a different Boca if it wasn't for that season. Absolutely, yeah. So in short, All Boys versus Racing. Surprise, surprise, the Racing fan uh, votes that as a match to watch if you're not watching. I said it for All Boys, like... I know. just twist my words out. I know, I know. I'm deliberately twisting them because I know it might be. Um, I think Kimmes got like Cruz could turn out to be a good game as well. Just purely aesthetically, as we say, nothing to play for. Uh, I think Kimmes still need a point or so to be yeah, absolutely Yeah, Kimmes need a draw to make safe, completely yeah. certain, but they're basically safe, but they do need a Apparently, Zifilippo's going to be leaving Kilmes, though. Really? Uh, really? There are problems there, yeah, so. Oh, okay. Brilliant effort by him this season, no, by the way. Stupid, absolutely uh, amazing. fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. Did you take over from the start of the. Um, I oh, know he was in the. Uh, he took over in the beam. Yeah. yeah, he took over in the beam and made. That's yeah. right, from, from the. Yeah. yeah, fantastic effort for him to right. get him up he's and to keep him up. Yeah. Who, who was uh, Falcioni's number two for yeah. many years? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the five Argentine side in the Copa Sudamericana confirmed, uh, uh, pending, of course, if, if River win the Donnell final and then don't win the Super final against Vélez, River will be going to the Libertadores and not the Sudamericana. But for the moment, they're, they're Lanús, River, San Lorenzo, Racing, and Belgrano. There you go. Um, that's it. Found the pod this week. We've managed to keep that relatively short and sweet. I think this is going to be about an hour and a quarter-ish, which our listeners seem to be fairly happy If you stop talking now, then it will. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. Uh, goodbye from uh, the very smartly dressed, and thank you for, for adding a little bit of class to this podcast. You're welcome, job. Sam. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, even, even though nobody can, can actually see us, uh, goodbye from Joel Richards. Pleasure as always. Goodbye from... Uh, English town. I'm dressed for summer, by the way, because it was an absolutely beautiful really? winter's day. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. A week until winter. A week until, like, the middle of winter, right? Well, a week until, until, until the 21st yeah. of June, which officially is the, the start of winter, the shortest day. Okay. And it's 22 degrees today. 25. 25, 25, 25 yeah. Bloody hell. Um, there you go. Thank you. I'm sweating on the suit over here, and I was dressed like this. Light pair of jeans and a t shirt. I was pretty comfortable in my suit, I have to say. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we should say that. I mean, thank you to Dan, given that we're recording in your bedroom, for having some clothes on at all. Uh, it's goodbye You're from Dan. <laughs> and, and it's goodbye from me. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.